Joshua chapter 1, verse number 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all the, all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Great scripture. There are hundreds, if not actually thousands of books describing various styles of leadership. And I will tell you right now, I have not read any of them. Absolutely zero. No study of leadership. But I did go online, and I learned that the five most common leadership styles are transformational, delegative, authoritative, transactional, and participative. I can guess what each of those words mean, but I can't tell you for sure because, as I say, I've never studied them. I will admit that a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago now, I got a free subscription to a journal that was called Leadership Journal which was put out by the somewhat corrupt uh, uh, Christianity Today organization. And I would scan those pages, and I'd usually take some uh, news notes and put them in the bulletin, that sort of thing. I'd, I'd look through it, but I wasn't smart enough to recognize any particular leadership style in this magazine that's supposed to tell Christians how to lead other Christians. Meditating on our current study, it occurred to me that the, the sixth most important biblical leadership, leadership style, I will call the leadership of faith. Most likely there are books on this too, 
in the average uh, Bible bookstore. But again, I haven't read any of them other than the Bible, which uh, gives me some instructions in this area. I'm not going to say that faith doesn't blend with other formula, but in a church context and in biblical history, we can see that faith is extremely important in leading other people. For example, Noah was moved by faith to build an ark, but he also authoritatively delegated responsibilities to his sons. Build this part of the ark. Go get me some wood, that sort of thing. And Moses was definitely authoritative under the Lord's authority, telling the sheep of Israel what they were to do to save themselves. But he was participative as well, and he trusted the Lord. With the passing of Moses and the rising of Joshua, we see the leadership of Israel in transition. And with my current faith-tinted glasses, I see the importance of that man's faith in the ongoing progress of the nation. I also see a parallel between Israel and the Lord's churches today. In my mind, having been in shoes similar to this, in my mind, I picture a longtime assistant pastor eventually becoming the Lord's under-shepherd, leading God's sheep into the promised land. But in Joshua's case, more than any of the other five most common leadership styles, at least initially, faith was the most predominant characteristic in his leadership. Let's go back and consider the rise of this assistant into his full leadership role. The first reference to this man comes shortly after the crossing of the Red Sea. Israel began murmuring against God in Exodus chapter 16, the chapter after Moses' uh, song of victory. They were then in the appropriately place called the wilderness of sin. Sounds like it comes right out of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, but no, it comes out of the Bible. In the next chapter, the people were again complaining. They were complaining about a lack of food at that point. And in the next chapter, 17, they're complaining about the lack of water. God satisfied their thirst through a miracle, but he also sent a new scare into their lives. The nation of Amalek came up to stop their forward progress. And a battle ensued. For some reason not explained to us, Moses pointed at Joshua and said, you're going to lead the army of Israel into battle against Amalek. So we've not been introduced to Joshua before. They must have had a relationship of some sort, but it's not explained to us. So this is the first time we see his name. 
Joshua led the Israeli army against uh, their uh, Arabian foes. And they were victorious as long as Moses had his hands raised to heaven. Moses was uh, an elderly man by this time, and uh, he could only have his hands up there for a while till they started getting uh, tired. The hands fell, and then the battle changed, and the Amalek started to win. So Moses called on, I think it was Aaron and her, to come hold my hands up. And so the men were holding Moses' hands, and as long as they were upraised, Joshua had victory in the battlefield down below. In that battle with Amalek, Joshua started to learn how dependent he was and Israel was on the Lord. He began to recognize how dependent he was, it was how important it was that he trust the Lord. From that point on, Joshua became known as Moses' servant. You could say that he was Moses' assistant. He is described as the, the servant of Moses here in this chapter. At Sinai, Joshua went up into the cloud when Moses was getting the law. He was up there for 40 days, sustained miraculously by the power of God. He came down that mountain with Moses. He was standing at Moses' side when the man of God threw the tablets down and broke them at the feet of the nation of Israel. After the construction of the tabernacle, we would often see or sometimes see Moses out doing his teaching or his leadership while Joshua remained in the courtyard of the tabernacle as though he was uh, learning more about the Lord, as though he was in prayer. He was close to the Lord during that period. We might liken what Joshua is doing uh, as beseeching God for his blessings. During this time, the faith of Joshua was growing. It was building and building. He had passed under the blood of the Passover. He and his family had passed through the Red Sea. Over and over again, he heard the promises of God, and he saw the Lord keep those promises. He was a part of a family that went out every day to collect manna that God miraculously provided for the people of Israel. He believed it would be out there, and it was there day after day. He had the privilege of standing next to Moses, a man who was eminent in, in faith and in power. He watched the pillar of cloud rise and move, showing Moses and Israel where they were to go. In other words, all through, the, uh, uh, all through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Joshua was growing in the Lord. Incrementally, over months, the man of God was growing and trusting the Lord, even for miracles. And that is what the Lord expects of us and our faith. We see God's blessings all the time. 
but we don't recognize God's hand in those blessings. Uh, we have good health until our mid-70s. And we thank our parents for our genes, and we thank the doctors for recommending those vitamins and, and getting us through that bout of influenza. And we, 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 we go through our lives without considering the fact that, no, it's the Lord who has brought you yes. here, whether we be 75 or uh, 45. The Lord has brought us here. We need to learn that God delivered us from that potentially fatal DVT and that bout of influenza and that heart attack. And the God who blessed us in those things yesterday will be there tomorrow when we need him for the next problem that comes along. But we need to recognize and we need to trust him for those blessings. Not just, I expect them to be there. I hope be, they'll be there. We need to learn to trust the Lord based on past experiences and past blessings. Joshua was learning those lessons, and yet his faith was still not great. In Numbers 13, we see Israel come up to the southern edge of the promised land. This is long time before Joshua chapter 1. It was not out of faithlessness, but rather at the command of God, that Moses ordered the leaders of each of the 12 tribes to select one man to join a scouting party. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb was selected, and from the tribe of Ephraim, the leaders wisely chose Joshua. So off they went. For 40 days, they went all over the promised land, all over the land of Canaan, where the Philistines were going to live, way up north into Dan and back down. They collected samples of things. They recorded things. They saw things. They were gone for a month and a half. Upon their return, 10 of the 12 spies reported to the nation with fear and trembling creating a panic in Israel. But Joshua and Caleb could look by faith through the obstacles and the enemies toward the victories of Jehovah which were coming up. They could look by faith. The Lord tested everyone's faith, but it appears that only two out of a couple million could trust the Lord for his blessing. We'll throw Moses in there as well. Three. Is that still the percentage of faith to fear that we see in Christianity today? I don't know. Are those still the numbers of who can believe and trust God? I don't know. Through it all, And throughout the 40 years of wilderness wandering since the spies went into the land, Joshua became Moses' heir apparent. The assistant pastor was being groomed to eventually become the shepherd of the flock toward the end of Numbers, chapter 27. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eliezer, the high priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him. He needs his own honor, but I'll put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of Israel shall be, or may be, obedient. What was the purpose of setting Joshua before the congregation? That the whole congregation might become obedient to the Lord through the under-shepherd. By nature, most people do not possess great degrees of self-discipline. We need leaders. We need people encouraging us, stopping us, teaching us. Most of us need godly leadership. As Moses' life was winding down and his strength was running out, God gave more instructions to Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go thither into the land. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Deuteronomy 3.28. Charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people. He shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. And then as the curtain closes on the life of Moses, he addresses Joshua with the word of the Lord. Chapter 31, just before Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. And then Israel's pastor was gone. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Why have I spent all this time looking at the background of Joshua? Because this is what created the Joshua of the Jordan River crossing. This is what created the Joshua of the battle of Jericho. This was his seminary training. This is where he learned his own individual leadership style. Despite what he learned at the top of Sinai and leading the army against the Amalekites, those were not the most important lessons that Joshua learned. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. That is what's going to be essential in moving forward across the Jordan River and going in to possess the land. Your faith, as important as doctrinal purity and consistent faithfulness to the Lord might be, the strength of our ministry, or in the, this case, the strength of our leadership, is in our ability to trust God. And that is true whether we're leading a congregation or we're a part of that congregation. Moving on into the book that bears his name, let's consider what is revealed in chapter 1 about Joshua's faith. It had been overshadowed for about 40 years. Verse number 2. 
God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them. For two reasons, Moses had to be removed before Israel could enter the land. First, he had sinned by angrily obeying the Lord. He was obeying the Lord, but he did it with anger in his heart, striking the rock that God said would produce water for the people of Israel. He did what he was told, but he didn't do it with the right heart. In punishment, the Lord told him that he would see the land that was promised Abraham, but he wouldn't enter it. Moses did get to look at the promised land from the top of a mountain just to the uh, east of the Dead Sea, northeast of the Dead Sea, a place called uh, Mount Nebo, also known as Pisgah. Comes up in some of our hymns once in a while. Now, now that Moses has seen the land, God keeps the rest of his promise. Moses died. Not only did Moses have to die before Israel could move on, but there's a sense in which Joshua personally could not move on either until the death of Moses. It was relatively easy for Joshua to trust the Lord as long as Moses' arms were uplifted. Joshua didn't have to listen for the voice of God. He didn't have to meet him as he does in chapter 3 here in Joshua. Because there was always Moses standing by that he could lean on. For 40 years, the commands of God came to Joshua and the rest of Israel through Moses. Filtered through Moses' faith. It's not that Joshua didn't trust the Lord, but his faith was much like ours. Not at the front lines. We're behind you, Moses. We're behind you, Joshua. Our faith is, generally speaking, not as practical as it needs to be. Again, verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. God had promised the land of Canaan to the descendants of Abraham, and that is this Hebrew people. But promises can be like dreams. Promises can be like that delicious uh, odor coming from the kitchen as mom cooks lunch. Even when they come from God. Jehovah says, come on Israel, come on Joshua, let's get going, move forward. Don't look at the problems and the difficulties in front of you. Keep your eye on me. Yes, there is that little problem of a river. Don't worry about that. Look at me. Perhaps that reminds us that not only was Joshua's faith hidden until now, but it was a timorous faith. Now that Moses was gone... It's revealed that Joshua's faith lacked the confidence needed to be Israel's leader. 
God said to the man in verse 5, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto you, this people, for you, under this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then verse 9, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. These are, these are powerful words. God commands us to be strong. But he's not telling us to go to the gym and get our daily exercise. Joshua needs strength of resolve. Strength of self-discipline. Strength of faith. He needs to draw his courage from the Lord. And not fear the enemy that is there at Jericho or the river that's between Jericho and Israel. And when things do, don't go completely as planned, don't become dismayed. Don't be discouraged, Joshua. Keep your eye on me. Because the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Faith should be built on the ever-present, ever-present, um, omnipresent power and love of our God. We need real practical faith in Jehovah. What I find interesting is that this is not the first time these words were given to Joshua. In Deuteronomy 31.7, Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you will lead the people into the land. Then 15 verses later, Moses did it again. He gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swear unto them, and I will be with it is as though... Joshua is not very strong. His, his faith is sh shaky. He needs this encouragement. Real, practical, life-changing faith, faith in God, is not easy. It involves constant testing and strengthening. Theologically, we know that God is omnipotent. He can do whatever he chooses to do. And miracles like the crossing of the Jordan or the falling of the walls of Jericho may be in our future, but to actually step into or onto the surging water is hard. Later, when Joshua leads Israel to the outer edges of Jericho's archers, just, just that two or three feet from their best archer, Joshua is putting the people that he loves in, at, at risk, in danger. The whole nation, including women and children, were in the gun sights of the enemy at the command of Joshua, through the leadership of Joshua, spoken to him by the Lord, of course. 
The situation naturally gives the natural man pause. Joshua, can you trust the Lord for safety and victory? You must trust the Lord because there is going to be no victory without Him. According to your faith, be it unto you. Well, in response to that weakness, the Lord encouraged Joshua's faith. There was the exhortation. Be strong and of a good courage. Exhortations and commands have their place. But it's one thing to know what to do and another thing to do it. Even Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good I would not, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Romans 7. And that applies to faith as well. I know that I should trust the Lord for victory over this problem. But the moment we enter the battlefield, faith may be the the first uh, deserter. And I'm left to my flesh. I have a couple minutes here, just another page of notes. So I'm going to digress just a little bit. Yesterday, Austin was asked to meet with the leadership of the congregation in Deer Park, the three elders of the church. Rusty, Chris, and another fella. Well, he's been meeting with Rusty and Chris now for a year, and things have been going along relatively well with them. But this uh, third man doesn't attend very regularly, even though he's uh, an elder of the church. He has not been participating in the lessons on Tuesday nights. He's missed it all. And... Austin went into this meeting yesterday knowing that he would be there along with the other two and had no idea what sort of uh, battle might ensue. We talked about it. The third man could rebel against everything that Austin's been teaching. He could simply leave and cause a fuss. He could cause a big fuss. He could split the church. So we didn't know what to expect. I got a report yesterday about noon or so saying that the third man was there and he was as uh, sweet as can be and seems to be in accord with what's going on uh, in the thinking of the other men. An answer to prayer. Another thing that came up, completely out, of, completely out of Austin's control, the church up there is divided as to what Bible they should read. They use the New American Standard Version. They use the ESV. They use the King James. Well, I guess someone does. Not very many. And that is something that was going to have to be addressed down the road. And that, too, could have just splintered and scattered the congregation. And it may yet. But there were divisions among the leadership as well. However, one of the men 
has taken our doctrinal statement from our church and began comparing it with the doctrinal statement that they have had for some time, which is basically uh, from the denomination of the evangelical free people. Uh, and he's been looking up all of the scriptures that we have put with our statements and uh, getting thoroughly confused because the Bible wasn't agreeing with what we said in our doctrinal statement. And he mentioned it to Austin yesterday and it opened the door to pointing out that you're not using the King James. And when even the evangelical free statement of faith was written a hundred plus years ago, all they had was the Swedish version of the King James Bible. Now, you are reading from Bibles which don't have some of the verses that refer to this doctrine or that doctrine, and you're referring to versions that have changed those verses, so it doesn't say what uh, uh, the evangelical free had or what we have. And Rusty said, I see it. It all makes sense. And we, as a church, are going to have to take a stand on a version that we are going to use. And Austin reminded him, I'm never going to preach from anything but the King James, so you have to expect that. That was something that came out of the blue and was a great, great thing. Uh, and one other thing before I... You can get more information from Austin when he's here. Uh, before he left, the three leaders said, the next time you are not in our services, February 12th, we are going to announce that we, the leadership of Grace Church, want to become Baptists. Amen. Without Austin there to glower or rejoice or whatever. Uh, three great victories in that meeting yesterday, uh, some of which just floored Austin. He wasn't expecting them. The Lord brings victory. We have to trust the Lord to do the miraculous. So how did the Lord encourage Joshua's faith? First, there were the blessings of specific promises. Every place, verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Verse 5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Joshua, at what point in Moses' life did I leave him defenseless? When did I leave him without direction? Moses began with as weak a faith as any other man's, and when he passed away, he had become eminent enough to be listed in God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. There should not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Isn't this what we want to hear? Yes. 
throughout our lives and in so many ways this is what we want to hear honey I pledge myself to you I'm going to be your spouse until we die I'm going to be there we want to know that uh, uh, our parents will stick with us through thick and thin no matter what goes on in our life now that we've found the perfect job we want to hear that we will have that job until we retire but above them all to hear the sovereign omnipotent God say I will not fail thee nor forsake thee should lift us up above all the difficulties of life and that is the kind of God we can trust no matter what rivers, seas, or walls stand in our way. I must hurry. We have responsibilities, however. From where does genuine faith come? It's a gift of God. I have some scriptures that I could share with you. It comes from the Lord. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10. Faith cometh by hearing, and the food on which faith feeds is still the word of God. Therefore, Joshua, you, like everyone else, need to fill yourself with the word of God. And that takes us to book, verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is according to what is written therein. I'm paraphrasing. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written in the law. Joshua needed the law. Not to have a hammer with which to uh, slap people's fingers when they disobey. He needed the law for his own heart. Yes. Amen. Build up his faith. Amen. Joshua was beginning a new phase in his life. He was called to become pastor of a very rebellious congregation. He had a commission to lead those people into the promises and the blessings of the Lord. He might have contemplated using an authoritative leadership style, a delegative style of leadership, but those didn't fit his personality. He's a timorous sort of person. And besides, the Lord's not going to bless the leadership styles of the world. Israel didn't need a leader with a whip. They didn't need a leader with a rod. They needed a leader like Elijah and Elisha with the mantle of God thrown around their shoulders. Israel needed to see a, a leader. Israel needed a leader that could trust the Lord to cross the Jordan River and bring the walls of Jericho down, moving in a positive direction. Joshua was saying, follow me. The Lord is leading me. These things are going to require faith on Joshua's part. Faith on Israel's part. Faith in Rahab's heart. 
which we will see here in just a few minutes. If we want the sort of victories that we have illustrated in Joshua, in the crossing of the Red Sea, in the building of the ark, then we have to trust God for them. 